0: Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Well, good evening, Bedrock. How's everybody doing? Come on, are you excited to be here? All right, good. It's a good night to be here in the house of God. And I'm excited. We're going to be finishing our generous series. So some of you are like, oh, thank God I'm off the hook. Okay, I'm only responsible for tonight. Oh, it's a big one. Uh, but I do want to say, Pastor John, uh, if you're watching, and Alana, they are in the hospital right now. Alana was sick. That's Pastor John's daughter. So they headed out today at like 3 in the afternoon. Uh, they're in the ER right now, but I, I was just texting Pastor John Uh, as we were getting ready to come out here good good report they just think it's a a viral stomach bug or something like that but we love you we miss you and get better and so um, tonight as we begin I am really excited to share this message with you I don't know if you're like me but have you ever been in a situation where you're gonna like attend an event that you don't want to go to Like, that you don't want to be at, like, and I don't know about you, but like, when I have to go to something, my wife will tell you this, Kelsey, like, I, like, I get real smart-alecky, and I look for about a million ways to get out of things, okay, and one thing that I really don't like going to, I don't like going to kids' musicals and plays and all that kind of stuff, can I just, can I just be honest, like, all, all the parents in here that are like, no, 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 Like, yeah, no, I love it. No, you love your kids in it, and then you want to leave right when that's done. You're like, get me out of here, right? We've all been with that kid that's learning, you know, the recorder. (laughs) Get me out of there, okay? Right? And so I am generally like, Kels, you know, I might need to leave. I I don't feel good. Like, I got to get out of here. But I don't know about you, but there's days like that where you just, you're going to face something that you don't want to be a part of. Right? And and there's moments like that. And when I get in moments like that, I get super selfish. I really do. Like generosity leaves the house when I kind of like know that I'm going to face something that I don't want to face. All right? Generosity kind of like for, it goes to me. I'm really generous with me all of a sudden. I'm not generous with everybody else. And so actually tonight we're going to do something a little bit different. I I think we're going to look at something tonight that will change a lot for a lot of us because we're actually going to look at the last day of Jesus' life. I don't know about you, but like I know that Jesus woke up that morning and he knew what was coming. Like he was facing an event that he was dreading. I mean, yes, he knows that he's going to pay for the sins of the world and he knows that he's going to rescue us. But how many of us know it's still a hard day? Like, he's going to take the weight of the sins of the world for eternity on his shoulders. And I just find that, like, the way that Jesus lived his last day on earth is so different from the way that I would live mine. Like, if I was in jail and they're like, you're going to get the death penalty, I would ask for the never-ending meal. That's what I would ask for. I'd be like, just, I want to eat an all-you-can-eat buffet. And I can't die till I stop eating. And I just keep eating, right? I'd be like, it's been 40 years. Here we go. But Jesus really chooses to live his life in a way that I think kind of unlocks a secret sauce for us in generosity. Because what we see, the last day of Jesus' life, he's continually giving to everybody else. Like the whole day. He is giving and helping people the entire time and so let me just start off with a question and this is actually the title of tonight's message what would you do with your last day like if it was your last day on earth what would you do like none of us many of us won't have the opportunity to know what our last day is going to be right your last day could could have been today your last day could be tomorrow your last day could be 50 60 years from now I don't know but the reality is we don't have the luxury of knowing when it's going to be our last day. But here's the crazy thing. Jesus did. Jesus knew exactly when his hour was going to arrive. And so he lived his last day with intentionality to show us what I think what it really means in the secret sauce to living this life. See, Jesus showed us how to love Generously. That's the final part of this series. We've talked about being generous with your time, your talent, your treasure, but then you have to be generous with your love. And the reality is this, love is the foundation of generosity, 100%. That's where generosity is going to start. And what I want us to see today is how generously and how much Jesus loves you. Like the reality of what he did for us is almost unfathomable. Like we cannot even imagine what he went through and, and what his life was like. And so I believe today we're going to look at how much Jesus loves us and loves the world. And I think that's going to give us a little bit of a secret sauce to this generosity thing. But here's what you have to know about generosity, right? We talked about it in the series that generosity is anything above normal, and that means whatever's normal for you. So if nothing is normal for you, then a, like a half of a percent is, a, is generous, right? It's anything above normal. And generosity is not about we give so that we will receive more. Generosity is about us giving because of all that we have received, right? We're already in a position uh, to be so generous, right? I was listening to a message this week and this guy was talking about the wealth of America. Do you know that the poverty line in the world, like you're considered poverty line in the world if you make less than three dollars a day? Three dollars a day is the poverty line in the world. This is what he said. "I'm so rich. I spray drinking water all over my grass." He said, "I'm so rich in this world that I spray drinking water." that people all over the world are walking miles to go get on my grass. And what he was saying is his generosity and our understanding of this life is really about understanding our place and finding the right foundation. Because comparison will kill generosity. Because you'll say, well, why even do it? I can't give like that guy gives. Or you'll say this, that guy's not generous, he could give so much more. They got so much more to give. I mean, they could buy a new like bus for the church. They could buy the building. I mean, you, don't you know how much this guy makes? Don't you know how much this lady makes? And generosity is not built on that kind of comparison life. It's built on a foundation of love. But here's why I think so many of us struggle with generosity. It's because generosity takes vulnerability. In order to be a really generous person... You're going to have to be vulnerable. So if you have a Bible with you, would you open up to Luke chapter 22? If you don't have one with you, don't worry, the words are on the screen, but we're gonna basically camp in Luke today. So listen to what the Bible says here in Luke chapter 22, verses one to six. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. This is really important because Jesus is going to show in this passage, I am the Passover lamb. So the Passover was, goes back all the way to when Israel was taken out of Egypt. And what God told Israel to do was to go and sacrifice a perfect, spotless lamb and to take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost of their house. And death, the final plague, would pass over them. So it's no coincidence that we're on Passover night. Where Israel and the people of God are going to remember When the lamb atoned for their sin and was put over the doorpost so that they could escape death. Jesus is the perfect, spotless lamb of God. And so what happens here is Jesus is going to begin to kind of teach us through how the day goes. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking to put him to death for they feared the people. Notice the religious people missed it. The religious people missed Jesus. They missed exactly why he was there and what he was there to do. So then, listen to this verse three. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot. There's two different meanings of what his, his name could mean. It means either a region, or some people think it's this amalgamation of this Aramaic word, which means assassin. Doesn't matter. His name's Judas Iscariot. It's just interesting, right? Who was of the number of the 12? He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray, uh, how, uh, betray him to them, Jesus. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. Uh-oh, looks like he loves something else. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. Let me tell you why Judas begins to go betray Jesus. It's really interesting. This actually happens in the Gospel of Mark. But Mark tells us there's an event that happens before this. You might know the story. Jesus is at a party. He's meeting with people. They're getting ready to celebrate this day. And there's a woman. The Bible doesn't name her. And she had a flask, essentially an alabaster jar filled with what would be like perfume. And the Bible says that she broke the jar, which would have been extremely expensive, And she anointed Jesus' feet with it. And Judas gets upset about it. So you've got to understand Judas' role in the disciples. He was the treasurer. Judas is the one who dealt with the money all the time. And Judas gets upset when he sees like, hey, that's worth a lot of money. You could have given that to the church so we could feed the poor or I could line my pocket. Corruption existed in the church even then. But I want you to hear something. You can be around the love of Jesus and miss him entirely. It's important that the Bible says that Judas Iscariot was one of the 12. He spent the last almost three years of his life with Jesus. Around Jesus' moments. In Jesus' people. In Jesus' teachings. In seeing miracles. And somehow... Judas missed Jesus through religion. So maybe just like as we start this generosity moment and we talk about the love of God and how generous Jesus was to us, are you missing Jesus even though you're around him? Because I'm just gonna tell you, generosity is a marker of the Christian life. It's part of who we are as the church. And when we're not generous with our time, talent, treasure, and love, we're, we're, we're misidentifying who we are. We're fake. And so what happens here is we have to understand in order to be generous, you're going to have to be able to love and be vulnerable. That's exactly what happens here in this moment. See, Jesus had to make himself vulnerable in the way that he loved people in order to really be generous in the way that he loved them. See, you're going to have to be willing and able to be hurt in this life if you're going to be generous. If you're always guarding yourself, always guarding your life, always kind of facing this life with closed fists, you'll never be able to be generous and you'll never be able to receive the generosity of God. Because here's what you do. Because you've been hurt and you don't want to be hurt anymore, this is how you walk around in life. Right? Okay. And then God calls you to do something you don't like. You're like, oh, oh, oh. no, God. I ain't going to do that today, God. And God goes, hey, open the hands. You can't receive what I have for you while your fists are closed. And some of us in this room, me included, have been hurt by the church, we've been hurt by others, we've been hurt by Christians, we've been hurt by people, and we're walking around ready for a fight. But let me just tell you something, it's hard to pick up a glass of water and give it to somebody with closed fists. It's really hard to help somebody or build something with closed fists. The only thing that closed fists do is destroy it. And let me just show you something. Yes, when my fists are closed like this, nothing can leave. Nothing can leave, but nothing can come in either. And some of us are missing the blessing of the love of God in our life, and we're not able to give that out because we're walking around in this life with closed fists. So generosity is gonna take vulnerability. Vulnerability is open hand. Vulnerability is you saying, okay, so Jesus knew exactly what was happening in this moment. Jesus knows that Judas is upset about what happened. And he goes to Jesus' enemies to figure out how they can betray Jesus. Jesus knows. But Jesus doesn't stop it. Because in order to love you and I generously, Jesus had to be a vulnerable and here's how we know this. Because generosity, what we've talked about in this whole series, is not about the letter of the law. It's about the heart of the law. That's why we're not percent givers here. We're heart givers here. That's why we give of our time, not a percentage of our time. We give generously. And remember, generosity is only one like little tick above normal. One little notch up. And so what happens here is the reason why you have to be vulnerable is because where your treasure is, your heart is also. This is exactly what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so for so many of us, money, whatever you want to do that you're generous with in your life, you're hoarding it, you're holding it with close fists, that's where your heart is. But in order to be generous with all that you've been given, you have to be able to be vulnerable because that's where your heart is and the heart can be hurt. That's how we know. So Jesus, listen to this, was willing to love generously because the pain was worth the purpose. The pain that Jesus was going to face. And I mean, it's not just physical. How many of us know like sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will always wound you? Some of us in this room, even right now, you're carrying around baggage and wounding from life. That happened when you were in fourth grade, but your broken arm healed fine. But your heart and your mind is still wounded. I think some of the most egregious things that Jesus faced on this day was the betrayal of his friends was the betrayal and abandonment of those closest to him in his darkest time of need. And so you and I are going to have to understand that in order to really be generous with our love, which is the foundation of generosity, we're going to have to be vulnerable because it lies where our heart lies. And you've got to be willing to allow your heart to be hurt. But let me just tell you this. Yes, if you don't, if you close off, yes, your heart can't be hurt, but it also can't be blessed. You you can't move forward. And some of us in this room understand this so much. We can't receive the generous love of others in our life because we're worried about what about when they disappoint us? So like people are trying to love you, to care for you, and and you just like, you're, you're stiff arming everybody because man, but what about the one time that they disappoint me? And some of us are robbing ourselves right now of experiencing the love of God in our lives because we're so worried about being hurt. But let me tell you this. What Jesus' death and resurrection shows us is that when we put our treasure in Christ, our hearts may be hurt, but they'll never be broken because he resurrects from the dead. So yes, You may be disappointed at times. There may be hard things that you face at times. But if your heart relies and rests in Jesus Christ, you'll never be broken because he never breaks a promise. He never fails. He always wins. And so let me ask you where is your heart right now? What would you do on the last day of your life? Jesus chose to be vulnerable. Jesus chose to show where his heart truly lied in loving his people. And so as we continue on in this story, we're gonna see really these kind of four ways that when you love generously, how it overflows into other parts of your life. Like when you really, really love people and you don't expect anything else in return, there can be this overflow in your life because you're free. And so you can give and not get back. You can serve and not get back. You can serve and not be recognized. You can tell someone how you feel and not have to be told it back. You can serve this life out of this overflow. And this is what we see in this day leading up to Jesus' death is there's so much overflow in his life that it blesses others because he loves so generously. So Jesus' generosity in love overflowed into time. I don't know about you, but if it was my last day on earth, I'd be really pressed in the calendar. Right? I'd be like, I got a lot to do today. It's the last day. I got I wanna go like I wanna go see a game. I wanna go eat I'd be planning my day around food. How many of y'all would be playing your last day around food? You'd be like, oh Lord, please. Right? Like, I gotta go, I'm gonna fly to Connecticut, I'm gonna eat at this pizza place, then I'm gonna come back here and eat at this ramen house, then I'm gonna go here to get dessert, then I'm gonna go here to get second dessert, then I'm gonna go here to get third dessert, right? Like, that's what you're gonna do. Jesus does plan his day around a meal. He does. He plans his day around food. It's just really what the food represents. So Jesus, in this moment, begins to serve and love. The people. So what happens is, is the Passover, they get into a town and Jesus says, hey, look, go into the town and prepare for the Passover meal. Get get it ready. We're going to eat tonight. And they're like, what should we do? And Jesus is like, oh, okay. Hey, I've already set it up. You just need to go find these people. They're going to tell you there's an upper room. The table's already made. Start making preparations, right? That's what begins to happen. So pick up the story here in verse 14. And when the hour came, so we get to now our Passover meal, he reclined at the table. And the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. For if I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now, there's just one word in there that really stuck out to me. Jesus reclined at the table. He just spent time with them. On his last day, he didn't go, hey. Let's go through the fast food Passover. Okay, like somebody hit like Mickey Donkeys or something, right? Like we're going to go there. We're going to go get the leaven, get the bread, get the wine. Come on, I got things to do. I, time is running out. In like four hours, one of you's is going to betray me in a garden. I'm going to be sweating blood. In about 12 hours, I'm going to be being whipped. In about... 16 hours, I'll be hanging on a tree. And before dawn tomorrow, I'll be dead. No, Jesus reclined at the table with his disciples to eat a meal. See, the generosity of God's love means that he wasn't hurried to get out of people's lives. He wanted to spend time with people that he loved. He wanted to spend time with them, and I don't know about you, but I would make this day all about me. Instead, he made it all about them, and he says, look, I recline at the table, and he says to them, I really couldn't wait to eat this meal with you because my time is coming when I'm not going to be able to eat with you again, so I really want to be with you right now. So let me ask you, church, see, see how love equals to generosity in time? you'll rearrange your life for what matters most. Into to Jesus, people mattered most. And so he walks into this moment, and then he, he gives. He gives of his life, his time. But not only that, verse 17, let's pick up the story here. It says this, and he took a cup, and he gave thanks, and he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Next, verse 20, I told you he planned his day around a meal. And likewise, the cup, after he had eaten it, saying, This cup is poured out for you in the new covenant in my blood. Jesus was willing to give everything. The reality is, is the generosity of God. Here's what Jesus is telling them. I'm about to give my body and my blood. I'm about to give my life for you. And when you are loved generously, you'll give everything. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling them. Hey, I'm gonna die in just a little bit and I can't wait to spend time with you because here's what I'm gonna do. In just a couple of hours, I'm going to die. And in a couple of hours, you'll be free. In a couple of hours, you'll be out from the curse of death. In a couple of hours, you'll really know me. In a couple of hours, your greatest enemy will be slain. In a couple of hours, because I give everything, you'll gain everything. So what Jesus says here is when he gave, he gave of his most possession, his treasure. What is more valuable in this moment than your life. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm leaving everyone a tenner. You know, everyone gets 10 bucks before I leave. Okay. Jesus didn't go, hey, I, I gave, I, look, uh, there's some stockings on the, on the, the seal. D- this will come to make more sense later, but I'm going to do it now before I die, but you'll do it when I'm born. But I put like s- <laughs> secret gifts in there for you. It's like a sock. You don't know what that is because you wear sandals? Some of you weirdos do wear socks and sandals. And he's like, stop that. But he said, look, there's some gifts in here. And I just I put enough money, I put enough dinero in there to make sure you can buy a house. On the Sea of Galilee, it'll be super nice. No, Jesus didn't give from his means, he gave his life. Because he loved generously. So he gave of his treasure. See, he gave everything. And that's what generosity will do. It will cause you to just, yeah, okay, no problem. It's not mine, it's his. And if he's calling me to give it, I'll give it. But then he goes on. And this is what I find to be the most astounding part of this whole night. See, because Jesus loved so generously, it overflowed into who he gave to. Because the story, like, it gets so messed up here. Okay, verse 21. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me at the table. For the Son of Man goes, and it has been determined. But woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And they begin to question one another. Who's the snitch? Huh? Who's going to sell out Jesus? Who's going to do this to him? I mean, I'm not sure what's going to happen. We just ate some bread and drank some wine. I, I don't know what he's saying yet, but somebody's doing something bad. Who is it? But notice that their heart goes from concern to Jesus, but it was really concerned about them. Look at what it says. A dispute arose, verse 24. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. So Jesus is like, hey, one of you you're going to give me over to the authorities. You're going to betray me. And they're like, hey, who is it? Hey, got a question. Time seems to be running out. Who's the best? We need to be ranked. I need comparison. I need to know who's your number one. So like, hey, that sounds confusing. I don't know what you just said, but could you just tell us who's the best? Please. Because if you're leaving, I want to know who's in charge. Who's the best? And so what happens here is he, 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 they go, who's the greatest? Who is, who is the one? And this is what Jesus says to them, starting in verse 25. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become the youngest. Uh-oh, we're in trouble in this world. If Jude was the one who is in charge, we'd all be dead, Right? <laughs> And the leader as one who serves. For who is greater? One who reclines at the table or the one who serves? That's so important for some of us in this room. Because Jesus didn't overlook people based on their position. See, in this room right now, I don't stand somewhere higher in the economy of God than you because I'm up here teaching you about the Word of God. The Bible says that we are co-heirs and that we are in this together. That we're equal. We all just love and serve Jesus. Just my seat on the bus is a little bit different. That's why I don't like when we worship these pastors as kings because kings always get killed. So don't ever treat me like a king. Right? (laughs) You want to kick me? I'm like, oh, reward in heaven. Right? Ain't nobody coming after me. Woe is me. See, what happens here in verse 27, Jesus says, is I see the small guy. I see the one who no one else sees. I see the one who everyone else forgets about. And this week, I'm going to try to tell this story without crying because I think I was shown a lesson on this through my daughter, Piper. This week, she was um, at a park with my wife, and my, Kelsey told me the story. And as I was preparing, I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing me this. And so what happened is they were at this park and they were playing and there was an individual there who's dealing with something that no one would really know, like know about. But this person is dealing with something so hard and Piper understands that. She knows that. And so this person was um, at the park and they were looking in the ground for stuff, just kind of like on their own, doing their own thing. And they would pick up like, I don't know, an interesting thing and they would you know grab it and they'd see something over here. And they'd pick it up, you know, and they'd put it in their pocket. And Piper was watching. And so my wife said that Piper, while everyone else wasn't paying attention, or at least some weren't paying attention, my nine-year-old was. And so she went and she started to pick up stuff while they weren't looking. And then when they would look away, she would toss things on the ground that were interesting. And she would walk away. So that the one who was alone, who no one was noticing, would pick up something interesting. And she kept picking up things, noticing the person that many people didn't. Because every person is important. And could God be treating us the same way? Could maybe you right now feel so alone, like no one understands what you're going through, that nobody sees you, that no one does it. And and in this story, God knows and he sees you and he's just dropping little things he loves you see he's so generous in his love for us that he never doesn't see the right person he never doesn't see the person who everyone else forgets about and I want you to think about that because some of you feel invisible right now God sees you because he loves so generously because when we love others generously we don't leave anybody out and so you're not excluded from this. And so what happens here is they begin to tell this story. And basically Jesus says, like, look, none of y'all are going to be the greatest. I'm just going to tell you. Okay, I'm the greatest. I'm the king. I'm the goat. Okay, here we go. Yeah. But then Jesus singles out somebody. Probably the person who deals with pride the most. Peter. Peter's like, I'm the rock, right? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Pe- I like Peter. Peter makes me look good, right? So... <laughs> Look at what the Bible says in verse 31. Simon, Simon. He says, hey, boy, listen up. Simon, Simon. You know when your parents say your name twice? You're like, "Uh uh-oh. Something's about to happen. But, me, like, listen up, right? That was Spanish, for those of you that don't know. That means listen. You're welcome. De nada. Okay, so, Simon, Simon. Behold. Look at, he warns Peter. He says, Peter, Peter, behold, Satan has demanded to have you. Go back to the book of Job. Satan has to request to God to go tempt Job. Jesus says, look, I just want to let you know what's going on on the inside. Satan wants you. Satan's coming after you. That he might sift you like wheat. That means he's going to test you and try you. Look at what Jesus says. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, that's really important. Jesus says, You're going to turn away. But when you turn again and you come basically back to me, that you will strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Big statement. From a little man. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times. I want you to notice something. Jesus not only notices the one who no one else may notice. Jesus also loves the one who will betray him. Jesus also loves in that moment the one who will deny him. See, here's the reality. When you have this overflowing love in you, it's not about what other people do or do not do because he's coveted to love you. He said that when uh, you choose me, I promise I'll always love you. And he says, even if you deny me, even if you do all of these things, when you turn back, I pray that you will have boldness to strengthen your brothers. So here's what I'm trying to tell you, church, is that sometimes God will allow things to come into your life to try you and test you, to sift you like wheat, to prepare you for what is to come. And the reason he allows Peter to be tried is so that he can come back stronger to help lead the church. So Peter's going to have to be broken before he can be built. Some of us in here right now say, God's forgotten about me. God doesn't love me. God isn't near. I'm invisible to him or, oh, I've denied him. Or, oh, I keep doing this thing. And God certainly doesn't love me. God put Peter in the story for a reason. Because let me tell you, he thought he was the best of them. In a few moments, he's going to cut a guy's ear off. Close fist. Jesus stops him. says, you don't know what you're doing. He's like, I told you, man, I'll die for you. It's like, just wait till you see what starts happening. Wait till the whipping. Wait till you see what I'm about to go through. You're going to run. But don't worry. It's a sifting. Because I'm going to allow it to happen. Because I love you. Because I'm trying to prepare you. Because I love you generously. I'm not going to let you miss this lesson. Could that give somebody some freedom in here tonight that the pain you're going through is finding purpose right now? It's because Jesus loves generously. So he gives us what we need, not what we want. And so Jesus loved people in this story who were loving and loyal. He loved people who were undeserving. He loved people who were selfish and prideful and people who abandoned him and people who betrayed them and people who didn't love him the way that he deserved. And he loves all of them because he lives out of generosity. But then the story continues and we see in this part of the story, the love of God and how generous he is not only overflows into like basically what he's going to do and who he's going to do it for, but how he does it. I don't know about you, but if I knew all, if all my friends were going to betray me and I was going to just go die for them, I'd be mad. I want to use a different word, but we're in church, right? I don't know. I would be so mad at that dinner. Someone would be like, oh, man, this bread's real good. I'd be like, it is? Oh, are you enjoying it? This wine is delicious. Is it? Is it, Matthew? And he's like, what? And you're like, ah! Right? Like, I'd be mad. Because when I'm about to face something I dread, I get Selfish. What would you do on your last day? Make sure everybody I you. Huh? Make sure everybody knew I love you. <laughs> That's right. Of course. But you can't just tell them. You've got to show them. And so what does Jesus do? He, he loves them patiently. Notice he doesn't scream at anybody when they say, hey, who's the greatest? And Peter goes, I'll never leave you. I am the greatest. Let me prove it to you, Jesus. Like he's so needing like a puppy Jesus' approval. Like, uh, who's the greatest? He's like, not you guys. And he's like, but I'll die for you. And he's like, no, you won't. You're going to deny me. (laughs) Jesus was gracious and kind. He doesn't say, hey, Judas, go do what you got to do. You're going to get what's coming to you in a couple days. See, Jesus and Judas lived their last day on the same day. Things go a little bit differently, don't they? He was merciful, and Jesus was forgiving. Even look at this moment, Luke twenty three thirty four, The Bible, while Jesus is hanging on a tree, soldiers below him are mocking him and dividing his clothes up. And Jesus looks down at them and says this, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And the Bible says, And they cast lots and divided his garments. Jesus, and the love of God, overflows so much that it's forgiving. And if Jesus can forgive the guys betting over his clothes while he's on a tree, he can certainly forgive you. If Jesus can forgive all the disciples for running and abandoning them, but then calling them back to be leaders in the church, he can do something with your mess. See, your pain will always be pain until it finds purpose. And the only one who can give purpose is your creator. You got to let go of those fists and you got to open your hands and you're going to need to allow God to do something. And it might be uncomfortable, but you may just be missing the blessing of God while you're trying to defend yourself. See, Not only was he forgiving, but he was committed. That's what a generous love does. His decision was not based upon who they were or what they did. It was based upon his love and what he knew was best. And so he committed to it. See, we don't have the luxury of knowing what our last day is. As Cody gets ready to come up, we're going to praise here in just a second. I want you to understand... That these people in the Bible, yes, this was about them, but it's also for us. We're all the people in the story. We're the disciples. We're Judas. We're the Pharisees. We're the ones mocking Jesus. We are the, I mean, it's just us, guys. They're not worse than us. They are us. And the Bible tells us that through all of this, the generosity of the love of God rescued so many of us. We are the product of the generosity of the love of God. The fact that you and I are still breathing in here today is a product of the generosity of the love of God. See, Jesus, you want to know what he did on his last day? He spent his last day showing you how much he loves you. The cross is just the icing on the cake. The resurrection is just the extra dessert. Jesus spent his last day showing us how much he loves us. That's exactly what happened. And I'll just tell you how we know it. Such a famous verse. You could probably say it with me. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But to save the world through him. Jesus just spent his last day showing you how much he loves you. So let me just ask you, church. How do you want to spend your last day? What is the last day of your life going to look like? I hope, if we all walk out of here, we see just a couple really simple things. That all of this has always been about love. And you can be around the love of God and miss the love of God. In order to really understand the love of God, you have to receive it. And the The Bible makes clear about how you and I receive. We ask. The Bible says that we ask Jesus to save us, that we believe in his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And we turn from the things that we want, and we turn from the sin in our life, and we turn towards him. And because his love overflows, he welcomes us with open arms, for those who are once enemies are now declared sons and daughters. So what do you want to do on your last day? And so church, I think generosity is the mark of a Christian because it's the mark of our savior. And so, we have now established a few things that are going to be happening in the next year at Bedrock to make generosity easier. See, we wanna make generosity here easy. I don't wanna make it hard, right? We always say this, automate what's most important in your life. And so we wanna make some things in here a little bit more automatic. And so here's what we're gonna do as a church, and I hope you'll participate with us in this. But here's our commitment. First, we're gonna be establishing something called overflow. Overflow is going to be a brand new paradigm for us to give, not just money, but things to give cars, to give stock, to give Bitcoin, whatever. It's this brand new platform that we're going to implement here so that we can give out of the overflow. We want to make it easy for you to do that. Not only that, we are establishing and strengthening our partnership with something called the care portal. Care Portal is a portal of people in our local area who have needs. Those needs are put on a board and we as a church can adopt those needs and we can go take those things to those people. We can't be about going across the world if we can't go across the street. So who needs here to join Care Portal? Who needs to be part of the team that needs to go and deliver beds and food and cribs and diapers and wipes and helping people? And that's why we went with overflow. So some of those gifts can come in that way so that we can give quickly. Not only that, we're going to be offering all of our Next Steps class online. We want to allow you to not have to wait when we do it in person, although it is tomorrow, so you can join. But we want to get you serving faster. So in the next few weeks, I will be recording the entire class online. And if you jump in online, you can get into serving in our church quicker. We want to make it easy to be generous. Fourth, we are going to be establishing more than ever international and local missions. We are going to be giving more as a church to international and local missions. I'll tell you right now that we're planning our first international trip, which we were supposed to do in 2019. We all know how that went. To Colombia. And we will be going to a very hard place where needs are really transparent. We're going to be going to a town on the border of Colombia and Venezuela. Where over 3,000 refugees cross a bridge every single day. And where families without clothes and food and money are walking for weeks at a time to find safety. We're going to meet them there. And we're going to be all about helping to rescue and help people there. Not only that, we'll be establishing new partnerships with local missions. We're gonna be giving more generously as a church this year. And then finally, we're gonna do something that I've fought against for a really long time in our church and for a really long time we haven't done this and I've just, I think I've been disobedient. I've made it too hard. We are gonna start passing the plate. We're gonna start celebrating giving more. We are gonna start offering opportunity to give, and here's why. I have had people tell me a thousand times, hey, Pastor Blake, I wanted to give. I couldn't find the black box in the back. I forgot the black box in the back. Blah, 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 blah. We want to make it easy. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to be a generous church, because this is who God has called us to be. And I believe that when we're generous, we will really receive the gift. We will really be the ones who are blessed, that we will really see lives change and hope come alive in people's lives. Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.